0: Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 3. Let's read the word of the Lord. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. and what? In humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used of his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Verse 9. Therefore, but to say, therefore. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my absence, but now much more, pardon me, not only in my my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything, do what? Everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and a crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you did in the first service. Now what you'll do in the second. Move in great power. Come on, ask God to move in your life. Move in your heart. Lord, move in great power. Do all that you want to do. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I had, uh, on numerous occasions, seen people walking in great humility. Uh, humility is something that I'm striving for, and maybe you are too. And if you are, that's a wonderful, a wonderful thing to strive for. Who here do you think you're the most humble person? Would you raise your hand? <laughs> humility is a virtue. Humility is not a virtue for many other religions, but for, for the, us who are Bible-believing Christians, it's a virtue. The Bible sees humility as a great virtue. Now, we, we have notes for you. Again, you can fill those out as we move along. I was just at a conference uh, a couple weeks ago now, and at that conference, a dear friend of mine, uh, who will remain anonymous, has a tremendous humility about him. He's um, is one of the most anointed men I know. And it's something about him that, that when he comes into a room and begins to minister or talk with people, it's, he has this favor. There's a favor on him. There's a, there's a special touch of God upon him. It's like the Lord is drawn to him. And, and really meekness and humility is a magnet for God's power and presence. And, and uh, it's just so rare. Humility is so rare in our nation I think it was Muhammad Ali that really shattered that as he was broadcast over the TV and over the radio saying, I am the greatest. You usually didn't hear that back then, 60s, 70s, I am the greatest. You hear it all the time now. You hear rappers so full of themselves and it's not even all that frowned upon. No, the Bible sees humility as a great virtue. Do you know the Greeks, when this text was written, the first century church Humility was not seen as a great virtue. It was seen as a great weakness. And if you study the, the Greek philosophers, Aristotle and others, they, they talk about humility as a weakness. No, to them, strength was in, was in uh, self-glorification and, and being strong and, and prideful. That was in the Greek mind. So when Paul, writing here to the church in Philippi, bringing correction, and we'll look at this and other texts, it was, it was very strange for the culture in which he was writing and sending to the church. It's not strange for us as Christians because we see Jesus as a man of tremendous humility. Well, why is humility a virtue? Why is humility a virtue? Well, simply because God is the creator. Fill your notes in. God is what? God's the creator. So as, as strong and as proud as you might think you are or might pose yourself to be, the one who keeps your heart beating within your chest this morning is God Almighty. He's the one that's supplying air for you and me to breathe. He's the one that made us out of the dust of the ground. So when you realize that He is the Creator and you are the creation, then that ought to bring you some humility. I love Ecclesiastes. He says, God's in heaven and we're on the earth. Let your words be few. I know a few people that maybe should memorize that scripture. It was a joke. Now, God is the creator and we are the creation. We're dependent on God. We are dependent on him for life. We're dependent upon him. And God humbled himself. And you'll see even in the Psalms, this is prior to him coming in robes of flesh. Psalm 138, verse six. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. Humility releases the power of God's kingdom. Humility releases the power of God's kingdom. Matthew 5, verse 4, I've been studying the Sermon on the Mount and and the Beatitudes, and uh, Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. I'd encourage you to go read that. That is the bylaws of the kingdom. It's the greatest way to partner with God's grace is to learn those scriptures and make them a part of your life, make them a, a part of your way of doing business, turning the other cheek and so on and so forth. The Beatitudes, the way of walking in blessing, walking in happiness, if we could say it that way, uh, is is here in in Matthew chapter five, verse four. Blessed are the the meek, or blessed are the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. Humility always precedes elevation. And you'll see in Proverbs 15, 33, wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord and humility comes before honor. Humility comes before honor. Many people want honor, but they don't want to walk in humility. Proverbs 22:4, 4. Humility is to fear the Lord. The wages of, uh, its wages are riches and honor and life. The wages of humility, says Proverbs, are riches, honor, and life. In James four, ten, many of you know that. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Isaiah 57. Turn there. Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57 and verse 15 says this. For this is what the high and exalted one says. This is the Lord speaking. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. Fascinating. God's habitation in the heavens, but it's also with those who walk in humility. It's also those who are contrite, lowly in spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and revive the heart of the contrite. What a powerful text. In Matthew 11, verse 28 and following, he says, come to me, all you labor and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Let's break that down real quick. Come to me. It's an invitation. Come. I bid you to come. Come to me, the Lord says. Come, come, you are heavy and laden, heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you, he says. You see, if you don't understand that he's in control and you're trying to control things, you're going to end up heavy laden. If you, if you think that you've got to earn it all and do it all and, and protect it all and do all of that, then you are going to end up in a place of anxiety, a place of fear, a place of really that's distraught. But when you understand that his burden is easy and his yoke is light and he invites you to come, To let go of the yoke of mammon. Let go of the yoke of the world. Let go of the yoke of your own control and realize that in humility and brokenness, He will visit you, habitate with you, and help you. Can somebody say amen? amen? Take my yoke upon you. I'm gentle and lowly of heart. The Lord is humble. Humility. So let's look at our text here. Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul's concerned about the church's mindset. You see, your way of thinking is going to determine your attitudes. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So if you want to know what you believe, that's what you're living. So the fruit that you see in your life is actually because of the reality of your belief system. Let me say that again what you believe is who you are even though the Bible says that he died on a cross and rose again from the grave and that every bondage has been broken, if you think in terms of bondage, if you have bondages in your mind, bondages in your mindset, then you're gonna live a life of bondage. If you don't know that the Lord's come to die on a cross and rise again from the grave, by His stripes you're healed, you might tolerate sickness. Let me say this to you. that Don't ever tolerate that which Jesus came in to set you free from. You need to get rid of that and understand what the truth is. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But if you don't know the truth, you're only free to the amount of truth that you know. Now, as it's recorded in heaven, the prison doors are thrown open. But if you don't know that, you still might be living in a prison. So he's concerned about the church in Philippi. And you say, where do you get that? And as I've said many times before, in the reading of the New Testament and the epistles, epistle is a Greek word for letter, and the letters are written many by the apostle Paul. He would write to the church, and when he writes to the church, what he writes is an indication of what's happening in the church. So in the church of Philippi, those, that church was most beloved to him because they provided for him. And if it wasn't for the church of Philippi, they wouldn't have the greatest revival in the New Testament, which is at Ephesus. He writes to them to correct some problems they're having. And you see in chapter four, these two women are, there's dissension, there's division. And he writes, verse two, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. In other words, they're not of one accord. They're not of one mind. There's division and it's because of a mindset and he's correcting them. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to share these verses, which are really Christmas verses to me. They really are. And they're some of the most beautiful scripture about the Lord and what he's done for you and me. He shares a divine model for what the appropriate mindset is. When I was in a discipleship program that I was mandated to many years ago, they they taught me about the attitudes of Christ. And said, you know how certain things just stay with you? And the guy made me repeat it. the, the, The man that was discipling me said, say it after me. The Lord is a humble, reverent, grateful servant. Say it. Humble, reverent, grateful servant. He would say, say it again. I'd go, Jesus is a humble, reverent, grateful servant. Say it again. Jesus is a humble, reverent, grateful servant. Those are the attitudes of Christ. That needs to be your attitude, son. Humble, reverent, grateful, and a servant. And you find this right here. And many times in Christianity, we don't have people that are humble, and we don't have people that are reverent, and we don't have people that are grateful, and we don't have people that are servants. And I'm certainly guilty of that, and so are you. So we're just going to get our minds right today. Can you say, get your mind right, son? Get your mind right. we going to get your mind right. So he's, he's correcting. He's bringing correction. And he shares this divine model, appropriate mindset, which is Jesus Christ. Is right right in verse 5. The humiliation, verse 6 and 7, as God poured himself out by taking the form of a servant in his becoming human. Verse 6, who being the very form of God did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. My goodness. He goes on. He obediently went to the cross, verse 8, and found in the appearance of man, He humbled Himself. He did what? He humbled Himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And Paul doesn't stop there. And he talks about the result of His humiliation, the result of being walking in humility. The result of walking in humility is exaltation in application and what we see here. Jesus humbled Himself, therefore, but He say therefore, Therefore, when you see therefore, you have to ask what it's therefore. There so, when you see therefore, as a result of his humility, as a result of him divesting himself of, of eternity and putting on the filth of this flesh and walking as a man for 33 and a half years, humbling himself even to death to fulfill over 300 Old Testament scriptures, Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the Son of God, took your sin and mine and was then exalted. Some of you are walking through things that are painful and difficult, but if you'll just put your head down and be the humble, reverent, grateful servant, God's gonna bless you. God's gonna exalt you. God's gonna bring you through. God's gonna do something for you that could never happen by you raising your own own head, your own fist to try to get it done through your own pride and self-exaltation. Come on, we need to walk in humility. Therefore, God... Also has exalted him, verse 9, and given him the name, which is above every name. Out of the name of Jesus, every knee should bow on those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth. That every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's exalted to the highest place. Come on, he's what? He's exalted to the, the highest place. And, and his name is above every other name. I don't know about you, but I'm excited today to know that he has given me his name. The name of Jesus is stronger than any other name. Any other power. Demons flee at the name of Jesus. Woo! Come on, someone say Jesus. Jesus. Whoa, feel that. Yeah. Come on, say it like you mean it. Jesus. Yes. Come on, one, two, three. Jesus. Oh. Oh, there's no other name, no the name, no other name. The name of Jesus. He's a strong tower of sun and shield. No other name, no other name, no other name. Demons flee at the name of Jesus. He's given us his name. Wow. And all will submit to him. Right in your notes, all will what? All will submit. Everyone's going to bow the name. You say, oh, no. My cousin Bubba's not going to know him. Bubba's going to bow the knee too. Everybody's going to bow the knee. On that day, everyone will bow the knee and some will be bowing the knee and lifting their hands in exaltation and worship and others will bowing the knee, forced to bow the knee with their fists shaken, headed for outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. It all depends on whether you have received him as your Lord and Savior. That's what it depends on. You see, the decision that you make in time, see, we have time right now, but soon your time will be over. And you know what I mean, soon? Well, we're all going to die. I was at a funeral yesterday, and for almost three hours, people testified, this large family testified about the goodness of God and the heritage of faith, and just amazing. It went on and on, and it was beautiful to see. But that precious lady at 93 years old, time is no more for her. Now, she was clearly serving God, one of the great missionaries in Alaska. And and so when she died and she breathed her last, she was received into her reward. Right. But if she hadn't made a decision for Jesus, then she would stand before him on the day of judgment and end up in outer darkness, weeping gnashing of teeth in a place called hell that was never created for you or created for me. It was created for a demon and created for Satan. And one day, an angel with one chain, not a band of angels, not a, come on, just one chain, one angel, gonna wrap it around him and throw them in the lake of fire. When time is no more for you, the decision that you have made when time is over, that is the one that will last forever. Decisions made in eternity stay in eternity. And that's why Lucifer, the son of the morning, when he said "I'll ascend to the sides of the north was cast down. That decision in attorney was, oh, you can't make that. It gets over. A third of innumerable cast down with him. He can't repent. Satan can't repent. You can repent right up to your last breath. The only thing is you don't know about your heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. And you don't know when your last breath is. The worst sinner can, on his deathbed, receive Jesus and receive forgiveness. That's how powerful the blood is. That's how powerful his name is. That's how powerful his humility and exaltation is. All will submit to him. Thirdly, humility allows God's power to work in and through the believer, verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It's very encouraging to me. It's encouraging that if I serve him and I live for him, and I, I'm slow to speak, quick to listen, and live a life of repentance before him, that he will direct my feet and that he will cause my heart to will and act according to his good pleasure and good purpose. I drive my car this way most of the time. I lead my family this way. I make decisions this way. I pray, I fast, and I just sometimes I just feel like the Lord just, just go this way. I just feel like, yeah, it's good to go that way. And that's the Lord. He'll just lead me. It's many times, you know, sometimes you're looking for the goldfish to do a triple gainer and land without a splash. And then that would be the will of the Lord. Listen, you know God's will by his word. And the other way he leads you is by his peace. But circumstances, prophetically, he can lead you. Come on, God, God, God wants to lead you, Calls you to will and act, I mean, to will. I mean, in your own heart, you'll want to do it. You'll just be like, I just want to do that. I don't know why I want to do it. I want to do that. Yeah, that's usually the Lord if you're living right. Now, obviously, you take that will and you line it up with the word, the word and if he's like, I want to hurt my neighbor, how many of you know that's not the Lord? <laughs> right, because the word talks about that. You're like, I want to get divorced. No, now there are reasons for that. But, but come on, you want to do something that's evil, how many of you know that's not God? you got to still take your will and you line it up with scripture, and then you know, really, one of the ways that God, he called you, will and act according to his good pleasure. All right, God's speaking to us to walk humbly. Everybody say, walk humbly. Now, keep in mind, there's a pseudo humility. Now, we're going to look at some scripture. We're going to look at Romans 12 here in a moment and, uh, and, and Colossians and some different scriptures here. But there really is a thing called a pseudo humility, false humility. Now, I've experienced this uh, as I've been a pastor for many years. Colossians chapter two, turn there. Uh, you see, that's kind of strange. What do you mean a fake humility or a pseudo humility? Well, in Colossians chapter two, it says it very, very plainly. Verse 18, let no one cheat you out of your reward. So let's just stop, see if you've learned something this morning. If he's saying to the church in Colossae, let no one cheat you, what do you think was trying to, what do you think the enemy is trying to happen in Colossae? Somebody's trying to cheat them. So let no one cheat you out of your reward. So he's, he's protecting the church. He's writing this letter to help them. Let no one cheat you out of your reward. That, that's encouraging. How many of you know you're going to get a reward? Yeah. Taking delight in false humility and the worship of angels. Intruding into those things he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind and not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. He's saying to them, watch out for people who have false humility. Right. Now, I've seen it many times. I've seen, I've seen it. Evangelists, I've seen pastors. I've, well, I'm sure I'm guilty of it myself. False humility, where people want to talk about their dream and their vision and the whole thing. but I mean, there's so much... Spiritual stuff that they're throwing out—they're about them and their vision and the thing that they saw. Now now, there is there is a genuine too. So don't don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. How I many of the bathwater is the dirt from the baby? The baby's good. So you should testify. You should declare. Come on, we overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of our. Testimony. It's wonderful to testify how he saved you, how he delivered you. It's good to testify about the dream, about the vision, when it's when it's appropriate, and before those who can receive it in a way that gives God glory. But I've known people that have cast out these giant platitudes and thrown all this exuberance and this hyper-spiritual stuff, but really it's not grounded in anything. And what it is is really a way of sowing, showing so how incredibly spiritual they are. You know what's spiritual? Dying to your flesh. You know what's spiritual? Putting other people first. You know what's spiritual? Serving. You know what's spiritual? Being a humble, reverent, grateful servant. That's spiritual, not necessarily the tower with the eye and the dream and the whole thing. I'm not impressed by that anymore. I'm not impressed by anointing. I'm not impressed by ability to communicate or preach. I'm imp- Here's what impresses me now. I've been in ministry a little while. I'm impressed by... God, godly marriages, marriages that make it through difficulties and painful stuff. I'm impressed by, by, by that. I'm impressed by longevity, faithfulness, loyalty. I'm, I'm impressed by that. I, I, that's what impresses me. When people make it through, when they could have quit, when they, when, when they should have quit, by, by all natural means, there's no way they should have made it. But they stood up again and they dusted themselves off again. And the, though the, the righteous fall, they'll stand up and, and they declare the word of the Lord and they overcome. I'm impressed by an incredible ability to forgive people through the cross and unforgivable things. That's impressive to me. Not anointing. By the way, that does bring anointing. I'm impressed by Humility. I'm impressed by that. And I believe the Lord's impressed by it. And it's not that we're supposed to impress each other. But Jesus is impressive. Amen. Yes, is. Like a lamb was silent before its shears. When's the last time you were silent when somebody's trying to cut all your hair off? Do you understand what I'm saying? When's the last when's the last time? When's the last time you were being skinned alive and you you just left the no, we need to stand for righteousness, and I don't think people should abuse you. I, you know, you don't need to be a doormat and let people walk over you, but I'm talking about having a heart of humility and brokenness before God as opposed to having to set the record straight and fix every wagon. Don't get lost in the whole world where you have to share every dream and every vision and try to, don't do that. That's just an, that's an evidence of someone's unhealed identity. That's a great place to say Amen. We all need to know who we are in Christ. And once you realize who you are, then it'll cause you to just tone it down a little bit. I don't mean boldness and zeal. I just mean walking humbly before him. Romans 12, turn there. True humility really comes from obeying the word. The number of passages that help us here: Romans 12, 3. I say to you, verse 3, Romans 12. For I say that the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly as he ought to think, but think soberly as God has dealt each one a measure of faith. Remember what God has given you, that everything is a gift from God. You know, I, I, uh, I've been trying to get my temple in shape and I hit a goal today and I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, and, you know, I go to the gym. I just try to take care of myself, trying to eat right. And I thank God that the Lord's helped me. But, you know, all of it's a gift. And if you begin to think that you're all something, because, you know, all that, I've made myself strong, I'm a self-made man. Listen, we have a close family friend. That guy was an Iron Man. I'm Literally, he did the Iron Man in, in Hawaii. He's one of the most fit guys. I mean, all he had was like kale milkshakes and stuff. I mean, he was a granola bar. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's like the way that you, whatever, like no body fat, totally lean, lived a godly life. Yeah, he died in his 50s. So I don't know why that is. Listen, all of life is a gift. I mean, you could eat just awesomely and, and die early. Or, you know you, could, you know, you could just eat yourself on Twinkies and, you know, all the stuff you're not supposed to eat and, and, and live forever, live for a long time. It's all a gift. Come on, someone say it's a gift. So it, you got to acknowledge that. I do think that we need to be good stewards, but at the same time, it's a gift. And if you lose that, then it, it'll be hard for you to walk in humility. In First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7... For who makes you different from anyone else? Well, that, that, that would be the Lord. It's a question mark. What do you have that you did not receive? Um, and if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? What a rebuke. He's telling them, look, you're blessed because God's blessed you. You have health because God's given it to you. Come on, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heaven and lights in whom there's no shadow of turning. Come on, God has blessed you. God will strengthen you. Is it cold in here now? Okay, can we turn off the fans? Please, thank you so much. Thank you for our new building. Hallelujah. I have wrestled with the thermostat in this room for 11 years. Thank God he's on the throne. Hey, well, it's warmer than outside. Come on, we're gonna get to the, the, the grumbling and complaining. We're getting there, so hang on. Come on, just thank God that you're inside. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter one and verse 28, and the base things of the world, things that are despised by God, despised God has chosen, and the things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence, but of Him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. My, my, my. Come on, he chooses the base things of the world to confound the wise. Don't think you're all so strong and all that. We we have to be careful we start thinking like that. No, we need to walk in humility. Come on, someone say, Lord, help me to walk in humility. Ready, say it. Lord, help me to walk in humility. Oh, he said, said, I'm gonna help you. (laughs) I was... uh, I've preached uh, to more people than I've ever preached to in the entire uh, history of my ministry, all put together on a couple Sunday mornings ago. Uh, About 60,000 people on, on TV. I was at a church in Kentucky, and it's a, you know, it's a mega church, powerful church, really a regional church, a church that's affecting our nation. And uh, the man of God there, I've esteemed since I got saved. I've been hearing him preach since I was saved. I mean, he's a mountain of a man of God, written all kinds of books, and, and he walks in tremendous humility. What a blessing. So I ended up being the keynote guy on Sunday morning. So I can't tell you how I wrestled. Now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rat myself out, and hopefully it's gonna help you. Okay, so I wrestled with the Lord because I knew, I knew this thing's gonna be on TV. Oh, God. Oh God, just help me, just bring your fire, bring your power. God, come, come in power. I was prepared, I studied him. I felt like I was prepared. I got in that first service on my wife's praying. Maybe you guys were praying for me then. You must've been praying during the first service. I'm not sure about the second. <laughs> the first service, it was just like, man, God came on me. How many of you know when you played well or, you know, you felt like the good pleasure of the Lord? It was like, man, the bat broke. I felt like I put the ball over the fence. That, that wasn't on TV, though. That was just to the church, the first service. It's the second service that's on TV. So I was very encouraged. I'm like, oh, yeah, come on, Jesus, thank you. Oh, thank you, God. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Just come, God, come. His miracles. And man, it just, God showed up. And then it was like over. And he kinda, I kind of found myself back. And I was like, okay, second service. So the second service, I felt like I was walking in it, you know? And I uh, got a wild hair to, to preach something new. And, uh, and, and I had a great word. I mean, it was the word of the Lord. And then as I got up to kind of flow in the Spirit in front of 60,000 people, plus a packed church, and the church is six times bigger than this one, plus. Every seat full just about. I got up to flow and kind of sing. You know how I sing a little bit? Because if I can catch it, I'm just telling you for me, if I can catch there, there's a river, and if I can get myself in it, then God's kingdom is released in a far greater way. So I'm looking for the wind, and so I kind of turned like I would with our anointed pastor, Alex, or some of our other worship leaders, and I had them go into this song. And uh, it was a song that they sang during worship, but they used tracks. Does anybody know what that is? He looked, his eyes got big... And he looked at me. I said, come on, brother. Bring us right back into that song. But they use tracks. And there are things called tracks that they play to fill in some of the, the spots that need to be filled in to make it sound fuller and more professional. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. All right, it's all sound stuff. We don't use tracks here at this point, but maybe we will. And so, you know, he, he looked at me. His eyes were big. And I started singing. And he's, he's got it right on the piano. But the tracks start and the tracks are like off. So it's like, the quiet, it's like the chorus of the song is coming forth, but we're singing another part, and it clashed. Now, if you know anything about me, I'm extremely handicapped. So I'm special. <laughs> I'm special. I'm special with sound. So when sound is messed up or, or, you know, it's just like, you know, anybody heard the nails across? I mean, to think about it, nails on a, on a blackboard. Do they have blackboards still? Nails on a blackboard. You know what I'm talking about. That's what sound does for me. I just hear things. And and it, and it, and it disturbs me. I get confused, actually. I'm an auditory learner. So we went back into this song, and this mix of these tracks went the, the wrong way. And it was just like somebody removed my brain. And it was just a, a I mean, just full uh, trip and fall. And, you know, and, and, and we tried to get it back together. And the worship leader is like, dude, you didn't do that to me. And, and you know, we just kind of like, okay, let's uh, get in the Word. But I couldn't get it back. So instead of like coming up and just cracking that thing, I, I, I couldn't get back in the flow. So it was like the ball came and 60,000 people. I was like, Duh. it was a bunt. And I, I didn't want a bunt. Reverend, I didn't want a bun because I wanted God to show up in power and meant it. Much of that, and please don't hear me the wrong way. Much of that was really true. If God can touch you in a way, listen. I understand this this morning. If God can touch you in your heart today in a way that only He can, then your life will be forever changed. I've been touched by heaven. I've been changed by the glory of God. I have heard, I've heard the sound of innumerable worshiping. I've seen things, tasted of the coming age. God has done something in me. That's what all this fire and zeal comes from. That's where it comes from. It's not so much personality. It's something that God's put in me. And if I can see that happen in a congregation, then your life is forever changed. Now I know that. And that's, that I say that with, with sincerity and purity of heart, really. But... There's a part of me that wants some of the glory for me. Don't look at me with that tone of voice. There's a part of me that's just kind of like, yeah, I broke the bat. You know, you just kinda, you gotta watch out. It's your ego. It's your own pride. And so when you ask the Lord to humble, Lord, I want to walk in humility, He'll do stuff like that. Oh, you think you're hit batting a thousand. You're gonna bunt today. Duh. Oh, my. Come on, raise your hand and say, Lord, help me. <laughs> Lord, help us. Oh, Lord, help us. You know, I don't think it's something that you just permanently learn. You constantly have to put your flesh down. You constantly have to, you know, when, you say, when is that over? When you're dead. Right. Honor one another. Come on, go back to your notes now. Everything's a gift. Two, honor one another above yourselves. How about serving someone? Romans twelve ten talks about that. Be devoted one another, love one another above yourselves. Well, doesn't that smack in the face of I'm the greatest? Yes, it does. It's humility. It's 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 a virtue. It's it's what draws God to us in a way that nothing else can honor one another. Three, be willing to associate with people of low position. Romans 12, 16. I, I need to say this in context of writing the Paul, Paul writing to the church in Rome, understand the, 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 the cultural issue in Rome. You had high class, you had middle class, you had slaves. So when Paul says to the church in Rome, be willing to associate with people of low position. It was absolutely insane for them to even think like that. My wife lived in Nepal for a season, and because of her skin color and the shape of her eyes and just the way that her her complexion, she looked like somebody who was from the Brahmin class. It's a caste system there. And when she dressed like the, the, the people of the land, the streets would clear for her. Not because she's so awesome and beautiful. Which is also true. The streets would clear because she was part of, they saw her as part of that Brahmin class. He, the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Rome and says, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Wow. Don't be afraid of being with any kind of person. I had a supernatural encounter, and I've shared it, I think, just recently, and I'm, I'm just about done. I got on a plane, and there was this lady from western Kentucky, and she was never been on a plane before. She was about 65, 70 years old, broken, broken, filled with anxiety, filled with fear, and, I you know, I'm just going to tell you, for me, when I'm on a plane, I mean, I know you get the evangelists and the guest speakers that come through and be like, when I'm on a plane, I win everybody to Jesus on my right and my left, and the glory falls, and they all get filled with the Spirit. That's not the way it is for me. I get on a plane. I don't want to sit next to anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. I want to talk to Jesus. I don't want to, like, mind my own business and watch a good movie. That's me. Okay? But I know that the Lord puts me next to people too, so I'm, I'm sensitive to the fact that I don't want to watch the latest, you know, the latest Marvel movie and, and I have to minister. And, and I'm just being honest with you. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't, I don't want to talk a whole bunch. I'm usually exhausted on airplanes and flying out of Alaska, it's usually in the middle of the night. And in this case, flying out of Kentucky, Louisville, it was, it was, it was going to be a long, long day for me. And I had an empty seat. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, thank you, Jesus. No one's coming, no one's coming. Thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. No one's sitting next to me. And I look, and here comes this lady. She's one of the last ones to get on. And I look, and I go, she's sitting next to me. <laughs> and here she comes, and she's trying to figure it out. And the, the, more, the closer she comes, the more and more compassion I had. Because I just was moved by her brokenness. And, and as she came, she said to me, I, she was such a simple, beautiful saint. She loved the Lord. She had her church praying for her that, that, that the flight would be okay. She's never been on a plane. She hadn't seen her son in over 10 years become part of the Air Force and, and, and he had gotten married and he has kids. She'd never seen her grandkids and, and lived in some, some back, you know, backwoods, western Kentucky, some of you from that, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, So someone said, Pastor Josh said, oh, we lived out in the country. No, he didn't even know what country is. You walk down some of these, but you might, you know, you walk down some of the roads in Kentucky, like you know, not even coming back from the road. You know, we, we know what country is in Alaska. All right. So it was a precious country lady. And as she came closer, my heart began to get burdened for her. And it was really a work of the spirit because mostly, I you know, I fight being selfish. And don't look at me. You too. You fight being selfish. Come on, get your mind right. And as she came, I realized, oh, my gosh, I'm going to help this lady. Oh, she's coming to the right, I'm going to help her. I'm going to help her. And she came. She figures out she's sitting next to me. And she says, I think I said, it's going to be okay. I reached out and I grabbed her. I said, it's going to be okay. She says, it is. I said, oh, yeah, it's going to be okay. I said, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I get anxiety. I'll do it. I said, you're sitting right in the right person. She says, you are. I said, oh, yeah, you're right in the right right person. I got up and I brought her in and sat her down. And, and I got to sit next to this lady for three and a half hours. She got locked in the bathroom. She got trapped in the bathroom. Never seen those stupid doors in, bath, in, in airplanes. Come on, you, 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 could be, you could be a genius and not be able to get out of those stinking things. People like, I've seen people just with PhDs not be able to figure those doors out. You have like a special push in the middle. Everybody say push. Yeah, push in the middle or pull. It's sitting in the middle. I was able to rescue her from the bathroom. I had a lady help me, don't worry. I heard her trapped, and she was so, I heard the door rattling, and we were very close to the bathroom. I knew, I, I said, I knew it was her. So I got up, and somebody's like, looking at me. I said, would you, would you help her? Would you help her? Like this lady, would you just help her out? I was so exhausted. I had three hours of sleep the night before, and I'm just trying to tell you that it doesn't matter the station that somebody comes from, or their level of education, or their color of their skin. And as time went on, she wasn't sure if I was an angel. I Honestly, she said, are you an angel? And she like poked me and said, no, no, I'm not. And she asked me two or three times. And I thought, man, I must must be flowing and anointing or something. The truth is God's power and presence was on us. And for the last 20 minutes of the flight, as we're coming in, she turns and just goes off like a child. She begins to talk about everything under the sun. And the Lord used her to prophesy over me. And all I could do was weep as I was so humbled by the accuracy of this prophetic word of this woman under an anointing from the Lord. As she spoke things about my childhood and things I can't tell you. And she just went on and on and on. And then she, she stopped and I'm weeping. I'm in tears. I'm look- we changed seats because the window seat scared her. And I'm looking out the window. I'm crying. I don't want her to see that I'm having like a come apart. And God's touching me, and I'm being healed of something from my childhood. I mean, it was just profound. And she said, are you crying? I said, yeah, 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 I'm crying. She goes, oh, don't cry. She starts crying. I said, no, 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 it's okay. (laughs) And she says, yeah, I'll stop talking. I said, no, no, keep talking. Just keep talking. And she continued, and I got so touched by the Lord. As I got off the plane, I called my wife. I cried for an hour straight after I got off the plane. I do not even know what that was about. Just something happened in me. And I had to repent for being irritated sitting next to people, realizing God. And then I thought, oh my gosh, maybe she's an angel. Right. No, seriously. I thought, oh, angels unaware. I said to my wife, I said, maybe, I think I said that to you. I thought, maybe she's an angel. And I looked for her, I looked, I looked, and there she was. And I realized, maybe not. But it was that strong. And I went up to, to she, she was lost. And I went up to her, I said, are you okay? She says, I just need a ride, I don't know where I'm going. And this cart pulls up, and this guy stops. And I said, I'm going to help you. And I looked right at the guy who drives one of those little electric carts. I said, you're going to help her get to her gang. He says, yes, sir. I said, very good. Here, ma'am, get right on. She says, are you an angel? I said, no, 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 good. Bye, bye. She just said, oh, You know, we can be so pig-headed and so arrogant and so filled with pride and just, you know what, just don't want to be inconvenienced. The inconvenience that you may go through may be the answer to your prayer that you don't even know, but if you're not walking in humility, come on, you're so irritated and complaining and grumbling. Come on, Jesus. Pastor Alex, would you come, please? 1 Peter 5, verse 3 Not lording over those trust. Use the word to leaders. But being examples. You know, you could talk about being humble, really. You tell everybody to be humble. Just live it. You be the humble, reverent, grateful servant. You live it. You live it. Other people will see it and be affected. Submit, verse 5 of that same text, 1 Peter 5, verse 5. In the same way you were younger, submit yourself to the elders All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Let's all say that. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. You need to teach your kids to be humble. I have met some of the most disrespectful kids. Listen, teach your kids to have a good handshake. Teach them to have eye contact. Teach them to go last in the food line and let the elders go first. Hold the door open to them. We were at at a restaurant just recently and we watched a family next to us, uh, a married couple, two kids. The married couple independently looked at their phones for well over an hour, never talking to each other. The kids were either looking at a cartoon on the iPad or glued to the TV in the bar that was on the other side of the restaurant as they looked at it and none of them talked to each other the entire time. I'm gonna tell you, this thing will rob your time. It will, this thing will rob you. you need, listen, you sit down as a family. Just put the thing down. Put it down. Come on. The likes can wait. The haters can wait. The text can wait. Come on. Put it down. And teach your kids to walk in humility. And the greatest way to do that is to, is, is to watch you. That's right. yeah. Cast all your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you. Humble yourselves. Verse 6 of 1 Peter 5. Therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You know why you're filled with anxiety? Because you haven't settled it that he's in charge. If you've settled it that he's in charge and then you just do your best to live before him, then you can have peace. How are you gonna control? You can't, come on, you can't control the person coming over the yellow line. Oh, we, 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 we drive by faith every day. Oh, you can be on your guard and watch out. Philippians 2. Make the needs of others more important than your own, verse three and four. Do everything, number two, do everything without complaining and arguing. I don't, I wish I wasn't in there. Do all things without complaining and arguing, disputing that you may be blameless and harmless children of God. You know, complaining and arguing releases demon power. Corinthians talks about that. It says complaining and arguing it released a destroyer upon them. Listen, just give thanks. Learn to give thanks. Learn to be humble. Can you say, "Amen"? Fast and pray. I'm almost done. Everybody say, "Fast and pray." Fasting and praying will help you. You stop eating. You realize how much food you need. Second Chronicles chapter seven verse fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, Isaiah thirty-five, Isaiah thirty-five, Psalm thirty-five, I believe, talks about being humble humbling yourselves with fasting. I'd encourage everyone here to give yourself to fasting. A day a week? Three-quarter fast? If you ever, I, I can say this boldly and, and giving God all the praise. My wife and I, my family, we've never made a mistake on major decisions when we fasted and prayed. We've made a lot of mistakes, but it wasn't when we fasted and prayed. We fasted and prayed, God would speak to us. We never made a mistake. We should remember that. When you fast and pray, you humble yourself, God will speak and it'll be good. You don't, hum- you don't humble yourself, you don't fast and pray, then you're not promised, to, you know, not promised that. Worship, everybody say worship. You know, when you got up today and you decided to go to prayer, you know we have a family that drives from Anchorage every single service, every service. They haven't missed any services that I'm aware of for weeks and weeks, and I could pull them up now. They're here under my voice. And to hear the testimony of what God is doing in them, it is absolutely amazing. But you know, coming to worship is an act of humility. Coming to church. You got up. Come on, I'm almost done. Hang in there. You got up. You, get, you Come on. Coming to morning prayer is an act of worship. It's an act of violence. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. The violent take it by force. When I get up for morning prayer, it's an act of violence. They're like, I'm going to get up. Oh, God. One, I count two, and I have this little, I have this way, I stick my heel on the side of my bed. One, two, three, and I spin and turn myself up, and I sit up, and we're going to prayer. Why? Because it's important, even though my flesh doesn't want to go three quarters of the time. Well, that's probably more than that. When you come to church, you got up, and you decided, no, I'm not, I'm not going to go brunch myself, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to church. It, it's an act of worship. It's an act of humility where you're saying to God, you're hearing your word and being with God's people is that important to me. I need to hear from you. I want to be in worship. Oh God, it's an act of humility. You know, God's going to reward you and bless you for coming. I'm not saying you have to be at every service, but certainly should be in church every week. I, th- I believe that. I believe that. You should have a Sabbath rest. I believe too. Did you get something today? Come on, say, Lord, Help me. Come on, say, Lord, help me to walk in humility. Put your hands together for God all across this place. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're not right with God today, don't you leave this place in the condition that you came in. There really is a place called hell, out of darkness, weeping, gnashing of teeth. There really is. And the only way you can avoid that is by receiving the one gift, eternal life through Christ Jesus. Jesus. By believing on Him. By repenting of your sin. That's an act of humility. You're saying, I can't do it. I need your help. Yeah, no man can do it. All of us are humbled before Him. Either now or on that day. I've chosen to do it now. And I'm going to stay in that place, Lord. And the Lord's like, yep, and I'm going to help you. I said, okay, thanks. Some Some of you need to repent. You need to give your life to Jesus today you're not right with God, you know it. You know you're living compromised, you know it. Don't leave this place in that condition. Come on, this is a wonderful message for the holidays. Let's, let's be humble, reverent, grateful servants. Let's do it. And if you're not right today, don't you leave this place in that condition. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You want to give your heart to Him for the first time or make a recommitment all across this place. On the count of three, slip your hand up. One, two three. Lift your hand. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. I see that hand, son. I see it. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you over here. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Lift your hand high, unashamed. Would you all stand with us? Pray this prayer right out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen.